0: Welcome to HealthCom Central, where we unpack theories and frameworks that can help you create more effective communication to improve both health outcomes and health equity. I'm your host, Karen Hilliard, behavioral scientist and longtime communication practitioner. If you're looking for fresh approaches that get real results, you are in the right place. So let's get started. HealthCom nerds and healthCom novices, welcome to another episode of HealthCom Central. We took a break for a week or two because I had more or less lost my voice and hadn't recorded a lot of episodes in advance. I'm back and hopefully my voice will hold out for all of this episode. But you know, I thought also after taking a break that we needed to take a bit of a break in terms of topics. The last several episodes, we've been talking about theories and frameworks, and although those are really important to what we do, they're critical to what we teach at HealthCom Central, so too are current trends and new developments and more practical considerations for effective health communication. So today's episode is about one of those current topics, a new tool actually, and it may be important to you in a couple of different ways not only helping you to do your job better, faster, and more efficiently, which is a serious consideration given how stretched and understaffed so many public health agencies and healthcare organizations are right now. The second way this tool may be helpful to you is that as you use it in your own work, you may be able to envision ways that it could be used to enhance what you are able to offer to your audiences at a fraction of the cost and effort that it would normally take. So what is this tool that we're going to be talking about today? The tool is AI, artificial intelligence, and apps such as ChatGPT that use AI. It's probably more accurate to call AI, artificial intelligence, a technology, and to say the tools are actually the apps like ChatGPT. But even as we think about the word tool, ChatGPT and other apps like it are tools that can even help you turn around and create your own tools. So they are tools to create tools with. Now, I'm sure many of you have already used ChatGPT, played around with it. I'm also equally sure that many of you have not. So we're gonna to try to offer something for both groups today, whether you have already experimented with it a bit and now are wondering what else to do. And if you haven't even tried it out at all, I'm gonna give you some ways to do that. I wanna say up front that I am not an artificial intelligence expert, nor have I used all of the many capabilities that it offers. But I am using it for some of the tasks that we're going to talk about today, and I am absolutely going to be trying it out for other things as well. In fact, that is high on my summertime to-do list. So today, we're going to talk about four things. First of all, what is artificial intelligence? Number two, some of the concerns or controversies around it. Number three five ways that you can put it to work today, and one way that you should not use it. And finally, we'll talk about some of the ways that you might want to consider using it in the future to create tools that can enhance campaigns and interventions. Let me tell you right now that I have shared some really good links in the episode notes this week, so definitely take a look. Several of them are from the New York Times, which usually makes it hard to read things behind their paywall but these are gift links from me to you that you should have no trouble accessing. All right, so I said that we would talk first about what AI is. What is ChatGPT? So some of you already know, but undoubtedly you'll need to explain it to a work colleague or a contact or a family member or a friend at some point so you can feel free to borrow my words. The simplest explanation is that Artificial intelligence is almost like having another human inside your computer, a human that can understand what you ask it to find or do, even when you don't type it in in a perfectly worded question. And imagine that that human could also do tasks that seem almost like thinking at superhuman speed, and that it can even anticipate what you might need several steps ahead. Some of the things that it can do feel like magic. Regular users say that sometimes they feel as though they've hired a personal assistant. It feels very human, but of course it's not. It is computer technology that has been trained to understand and to use to reflect back to us natural human language. So that's why you can put in an awkwardly worded search, and still get really good results from ChatGPT. So now, AI has been around for decades. And a few months ago, ChatGPT really took the world by storm with its free version. Many, many people are using it, talking about it. But I want to say that there are many other apps, many other AI apps to check out. And I've linked to some articles that list some of those other apps. For most of them, you do have to register and not all of them are free, but we're going to talk for a minute here about the free version of ChatGPT, which is probably the most accessible one for a lot of folks. And you do have to register for an account for that. But once it's set up, all you need to do is type in a request exactly as you might talk to another person using what technologists refer to as natural language, the way people naturally speak. And usually you'll have your reply in 30 seconds or less. So you may be wondering what kind of requests and why wouldn't I just use a search engine for that? Well, we're going to talk in a few minutes about how these apps can be used on the job by health communicators. But to give you an idea of the capabilities that it has, let me mention a couple of sort of fun and frivolous things that people are using ChatGPT for. And this is a great way to play around with it at first. So, for example, you could say, write a sonnet about squirrels in the style of Shakespeare. Or you could say, find five recipes that include sweet potatoes and black beans and no more than three other ingredients and take less than 30 minutes to cook. Or you could say, design a week-long road trip driving between Charleston, South Carolina and Kansas City, Missouri that stops for lunch and dinner at the most popular barbecue restaurants along the way. Or give me an idea for a romantic wedding proposal in Chicago that includes where to propose and what to say and the names of five photographers who could secretly photograph it. So I invite you to try those queries yourself. I put them in the episode notes. Or you can see a link to what I got in response. And again, I'll put that in the episode notes for today. Now, you might be saying, well, I could Google and find out where the barbecue restaurants are on that week-long road trip that you described. And yes, you absolutely could. But you would have to click through a lot of links, skim through a lot of articles, and you would have to make some decisions about which of those restaurants you you were interested in stopping at. You would also need to... Compare that against your map, your route for the trip. There would be a little bit of legwork along the way. As I'm describing this, you can imagine this could probably take, oh, I don't know, a half an hour or more if you read through a number of articles and if you made a list of restaurants, clicked on some of the reviews, plotted them on a map, that kind of thing. But ChatGPT can look for those criteria that you've given it and can immediately process and synthesize that answer for you in about 30 seconds or less so the time savings is really incredible the ability to look across many things and to gather that information instead of you having to click link by link through a bunch of articles and skim them is really pretty incredible now one of the things that can happen is sometimes when you're doing a search like this one valid criticism of chat gpt and other ai used as search is that you don't always know if it is accurate. Is it BSing you? Or is it telling you something that's really found out there through a search? A way that you can check on that is to also include in your prompt for it instructions to give you the links to the information that it is finding for you so that you can then, you know, it, it basically has curated a very short list of links rather than, again, you having to find the articles and read through them and decide which ones are important. But you can then go and click on those directly and verify the accuracy of the information. If these kinds of queries sound like fun to you, wait until I tell you how it can help you in your public health work. I want to talk about five ways that you can use it right now, starting today, in your public health work. And I'm going to talk again in terms of chat GPT, but, but I don't have any affiliation or special affinity for them. There are many other apps out there. And again, check the episode notes for some links to articles that list a number of different apps and tell you what, the, what they are capable of. All right, so five ways you can begin to use AI in your public health work today. Number one, as I've already described, you can use it for search, especially when you're finding a needle in a haystack or making connections that might take a long time for a human. Imagine, for example, if you were putting together an email list of people or organizations. That would take some time, but ChatGPT can do that for you. All right, so number one is search. Use it to find, review, and curate information that would otherwise take you much longer to put together yourself. Number two, you can use ChatGPT to plan. You can ask it for the steps to take or a process to follow, or conversely, you could give it the steps to follow, and then ask it to put together a list of supplies that you would need or plot it against a timeline. Any kind of planning process that you would normally do where you lay out the step-by-step, where you would lay out a series of steps to take, you can use ChatGPT to do it for you. Number three, you can use it to brainstorm. This is simply asking it What are all the ways I could, or what are all the ways that people, dot, 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 anything that you might be brainstorming where you're trying to cast a wide net for ideas, you can put into an AI search engine like ChatGPT. Just treat it as if you were talking to a couple of colleagues at lunch and bouncing ideas off of them. Ask it for ideas and it will find them for you. Some of them will be good. Some of them won't be just like the colleagues that you might be sitting across the table from at lunch. Some of their ideas will be great. Some of them, eh, not so great. But it's a good way to get out of your own head and get some perspective or some additional ideas. Number four, you can use it to organize. If you have a lot of information and you need it put in a certain order when I was talking about the trip planning, if you had a number of sites that you wanted to visit and you wanted it to organize an itinerary or a route or something like that, it could do that for you. So organizing anything is a great use of AI, whether it's chat GPT or another app. Number five, you can use it to draft or proofread documents. Now, this is fantastic whether or not you are trying to proofread something for plain language, you can ask it to do that for you, whether you're proofing it for typos. So if you've written something, you can just upload that information into ChatGPT and get a corrected copy back the other thing that you can do on the other hand is ask it to draft something for example say i need four social media messages that say x y and z and and then give it some other parameters like how many words they need to be or and then it will give you something that it's written and you can then take it and do the proofreading and the tweaking and revising yourself so it can act almost like a junior colleague who can draft something and then you take it and edit it. So those are five uses right now that you could begin using this for that will save you time and will expand the number of ideas that you can come up with, which we all want, right? We all want more ideas, more innovative thinking. So number one, search. Number two, plan. Number three, brainstorm. Number four, organize. And number five, draft or proofread documents. Those are just the most basic things that you could use it for without much practice at all. But let me tell you, you'll see from the links that I've posted that a lot of other things are possible at kind of the next level, possible already today. You could use it to create a chatbot that could be an interactive means of somebody getting information from your website. You can create a program with it or an app that somebody can use. You can also even create videos with it or slideshows. And I just want to stop and let you think right now about, can you imagine being able to create tools on your website right in your office without needing to hire a web developer or programmer for every single thing? Um, So I'm not talking about creating a whole website, although it could probably do that, but what I'm talking about is like when you want to add one small thing, or even when your web designer wants to add one small thing, like a interactive question and answer section for your website, whatever you can imagine may now be within reach using this tool. So now if planning a road trip sounds really fun, or saving time on emails that it drafts for you sounds like a great way to work smarter, not harder, then you may already be chomping at the bit to try it out. However, you should know that AI is not without controversy. And these controversies fall into several main categories of concerns. Number one, that it's lazy or poor quality or somehow illegitimate, and therefore you should not use it. Number two, that it threatens the jobs of knowledge workers and therefore is terrible. Number three, that AI could make computers sentient, like, you know, like make them come to life and they could do very bad things that could literally destroy the world. And then number four, that it can violate privacy or intellectual property rights. So let's go one by one and talk about, I call the first one, the Wikipedia objection, that implies that the use of AI is lazy or definitely inferior or morally corrupt in some way. And you know, when Wikipedia was new, back when I was an educator, a lot of teachers and professors really freaked out about it. And many of them actually banned the use of it because they said it wasn't a real source because it was crowdsourced. And I remember being surprised to hear students say, I've been told to never, ever use Wikipedia. It's not reliable. I, as I said, was an educator at the time, and I thought Wikipedia was pretty amazing. I didn't want my students to cite it as a source in a term paper, but as a way to get an overview of an unfamiliar topic so you could put together better searches, it was great. And quite often, Wikipedia entries include links to their sources. So you can actually go back to the original source with just a couple of mouse clicks. I absolutely encourage its use in that way, because Wikipedia absolutely has a place in research, even if it does not belong in a bibliography. So now you have a lot of educators who are worried about students using ChatGPT to write essays or research papers for them. And that may be a Concerned I me. Mean, I have a real problem with academic dishonesty, so I wouldn't want somebody pretending to have written something themselves. However, all well, that said, if ChatGPT and similar kinds of apps are going to be a reality of the world that we live in in the future, then shouldn't we figure out ways to use it for learning? Like maybe you could have a student write an essay in class and then have them input the same prompt into ChatGPT, and then that student could compare and contrast the two essays, the one that they wrote in class and the one that ChatGPT wrote on the same topic. Or why not gamify things? Have the students trade essays and proofread them and then input the same content into ChatGPT and see how close the students were to catching all of the typos or the errors that AI caught or... Why not have chat GPT help a student outline an essay and then have the student write it? Or why not have students do some self-reflection about their challenges as writers, spelling, sentence structure, organization, whatever, and then learn how to use chat GPT as their own personal assistant to suggest edits. That's a real world skill that people could really benefit from. So I am definitely in the camp of This technology exists. So let's learn how to use it for the good. And the other thing that you hear is that it's not accurate, but nor is much of what we get from the web. So when accuracy is important, Asking ChatGPT for citations and then going to those citations yourself is a great way to check the facts. And the last objection that's under this kind of Wikipedia heading is the laziness thing. Is it lazy not to write your own emails or to ask a bot to draft a set of PowerPoint slides for you? Well, I don't know. Is it lazy to use your washing machine and not haul your clothes down to the river to scrub on a washboard? Is it lazy to drive five miles to work instead of walking? Clearly our, are clearly our standards for what is lazy and what is not have changed over time. And for me, I'm all about labor-saving devices. So I put AI and apps like ChatGPT in that category. Okay, so the second thing that people are scared about is that AI is going to put people out of work. And you know, This is not a new idea. People often fear change, they fear innovation, but it is very rare that whole industries are wiped out overnight. I mean, we transitioned from typewriters to computers and it changed everything about the world of work, but we actually have many more knowledge workers now than we had in the era of the typewriter. And people who used to type for a living as they had to spend less time typing because computers were more efficient, we're able to take on other duties you can think about or some buggies. As another example, first of all, that didn't transform the world overnight when we began to have other modes of transportation, like the automobile. But it is true that livery stables are no longer a viable business option. My grandfather actually ran a livery stable, one of the last that existed, no doubt. But you know, efficiency enables us to do other things with our time, not to become obsolete. And usually whole new industries spring up to replace industries that go away. So hello, car repair, hello, automobile factory, auto dealership, no detailing, car stereos. I mean, a lot of related industries that didn't exist in the era of horse and buggies. And let me just say, hello, it's not like there are enough of us anyway in public health. So if AI can do some jobs for us, if it can write social media messages or plan campaigns, there is still plenty of health communication and health education work to go around. As far as I'm concerned, if someone or something can take a load off and let us get back to some very human activities like rebuilding trust in public health, I think that is a good thing. The third area of controversy is that AI could make computers sentient s-e-n-t-i-e-n-t sentient and they could do very bad things that could literally destroy the world i call this the 2001 space odyssey objection in that movie for anybody who hasn't seen it a computer called hal is the villain and you know computers becoming our overlords and maybe trying to kill us off is a very popular science fiction trope because it is dramatic and frightening And the idea of a scientist or inventor literally creating a monster goes all the way back to literature like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. There are definitely some concerns here, like don't give AI the nuclear codes. But honestly, is there anything that AI could do that is more frightening than what humans are already capable of? Not really. And it's probably a whole lot less likely because there are a lot of crazy folks. All right, number four. Final concern is that AI can violate privacy or intellectual property rights. And let me say that this is a real concern. AI trains by practicing with language. So you don't want to put anything confidential or proprietary into a query or prompt that you would put into an app like ChatGPT. And when you get information from them, you want to ask for citations in anything that you're going to use so that you can double check to be sure that you're not plagiarizing or using material in a way that is not legal. or If AI is new to your workplace, and it will be for most of you, I very much advise having a discussion in the workplace about how it's going to be used, any ethical issues that come up, and setting any guidelines, rules, or boundaries that feel appropriate to you and your colleagues about how you use it or maybe how you won't. As with every technology that's out there, there are upsides to AI and there are challenges. But this episode is designed to start the wheels turning in your head about the upsides, about the ways that you can leverage AI to enable you to do more and less time and with fewer resources, and maybe to be thinking about how to introduce it in a way that makes sense for the culture of your organization, how to introduce it to partners or clients or audiences that may be able to use it too. There's absolutely no doubt that AI is here to stay. and. Given that we need every tool that we can get our hands on in our health communication toolkits, I'm welcoming it, if not entirely with open arms, at least with a pretty enthusiastic high five. So go ahead and pick ChatGPT or one of the other AI apps in the articles that I've linked to in the episode notes. Play around with it, get a feel for it, let me know what you think. The prompts that I mentioned earlier about road trips and recipes are all in the episode notes. Plus, I've added a couple of others on more serious job-related topics. You can try those out. You're not really going to know what it can do or how it would work for you until you use it. So I encourage you to give it a try. This has been a little bit of a longer episode today, but I have a lot I wanted to tell you. Hope it is useful to you, and I look forward to hearing all the ways that you are able to use this new technology tool. If you have one moment right now, I would really appreciate a rating or review or sharing a link to the podcast with some of your colleagues. That helps more people see it and hopefully benefit from some of the tools and theories and frameworks and ideas that we share. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, and stay science-based. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment now to leave a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe to HealthCom Central on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have friends and colleagues who should be part of our community, please share the link.